0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
0: And I'm Julie Douglas.
1: And this is the second part of a two-part series Titled Lost Continent, where we are discussing the idea of lost continents, uh, sunken continents, sunken islands, lost civilizations. Um, why this idea is so intoxicating for us? The the actual science at work here, as well as the pseudoscience and the cult the occultist nonsense to consider as well.
0: Yeah, and so let's get in a little bit of column A and column B there. Okay. With our next topic here, which yes. is Lemuria.
1: Yes, the, Rumeria.
0: The lemur kings <laughs> well, that rule the lands. I mean,
1: you know, if, if you... If if we hadn't researched it and you just mentioned Lemuria and I had no background on it whatsoever, uh-huh. I don't think I would have thought of lemurs. I would have. I, it instantly it sounds uh, Hellenistic somehow. It sounds it sounds exotic and and magical. And I'm thinking about this this rich world, you know, like something out of a uh, you know an early uh, 20th century pulp story where there's you know some sort of fantastic kingdom and and maybe lemurs, but I, I'm I'm not picturing them as the ruling class.
0: Yeah, I just see them popping up around the landscape with crowns on their heads. So, the sad thing here is that there are no lemur kings.
1: No, because uh, you know, they don't. Lemurs don't need kings. They they have it pretty well uh, situated there on Madagascar, mm-hmm. where uh, for them outside of the, the fossa and of course uh, humans, they don't really have much in the way of natural adversaries, and they've uh, they've they've had the, they've they've experienced sort of a uh, an evolutionary shang- Shangri La there.
0: But in 1875, if you were trying to figure out where these lemurs came from, mm-hmm. you might come up with a wacky theory, wacky hypothesis, rather.
1: Yeah, indeed. You might look around at the, some of the fossil evidence and you see some and also just sort of evolutionary evidence of similar forms in Africa, some maybe some similar forms in India. And that leads us to Philip Lutley Slater. Um, so Slater is, is, is again, he's tackling the same issue. What's up with the lemurs? What's up, uh, what's up with the eye What's up with, uh, some of these other f- uh, forms that are similar such as the loris of Asia, uh, and the, and the, the and, and other forms found in say Indonesia. Uh, and he, he ultimately observed that, uh, quote, while 30 different species of lemurs are found in Madagascar alone, all of Africa contains some 11 or 12, while the Indian region has only three. And again, he's drawing in some forms here that are not actually lemurs in the modern sense of the word. Right. But he's saying these are similar forms. What's going on here? So 1864, he pins an essay titled The Mammals of Madagascar. Uh, Madagascar, of course, uh, is pointed out as the principal homeland of lemurs. Uh, and uh, it, and he's saying that uh, this is spread out all over Asia and Africa by a land bridge connecting uh, these continents. So he's speculating that... This, this connection might even have extended to America. and We would have had this supposed land bridge slash continent, and we would call this Lemuria. Yeah,
0: and you also have an 1875 scientist, Hackle and Blanford jumping on this bandwagon saying, yeah, there was a land bridge, and it connected this. And that, therefore, that is why there are all these lemurs or lemur-like creatures populating the Earth.
1: Yeah, and of course, land bridges have existed. Uh, that's 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 not a crazy theory in and of in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a, a, a rather sizable land bridge here. We're talking about a, a lost continent that would have yes. lost, that would have bridged our modern continents together.
0: Gondwana land. Which was supposed to have reached three quarters of the way around the southern hemisphere with a gap in the Pacific. And scientifically these continents have little to do with Atlantism. And even Gondwanaland is considered speculative, although it's still widely accepted. So some of this Lemuria is connected to Atlantis as well in the idea of the sort of genesis of how things came into being.
1: Yeah. And we see this sort of trend again and again. Introduce the idea of a mysterious island, either as allegory or mere hypothesis. Mm hmm. And other individuals are going to grasp onto it. They're going to lift that idea up, first uh, first with the poles of, uh, of, of science, then with pseudoscience, and eventually lofted high above us uh, on the air of occultism, fiction, fantasy, dreaming, and uh, and at times insanity.
0: Well, and, but it's just like the, the idea, the Greek ideal of symmetry, had an interesting idea behind it, like, there's got to be another landmass over there to balance this out, because there was an understanding of mass. Mm-hmm. In this example, there's somewhat of an understanding that landmasses have changed over the years, right? Yeah. Over deep time, really. And there's an understanding that animals could spread via that way, and but there's not really an understanding of speciation. Right. So... It's kind of, again, it's sort of like, wow, they, they try, they're trying to tell the story of how this came to be. And this is an explanation that makes sense to them at that time with the information that they had. Now, the problem with that is that you have the occultists hanging out, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a little bit of information going on that's being extrapolated in a way that is not right. And what happens is that Lemuria theory is picked up by Helonia P. Blavatsky. She is at that time an inf- influential occultist. And that's incorporated into her uh, gaudy cosmos. That's how it's explained <laughs> from Natural History Magazine, and it's also woven into Atlantis, as I had said. And according to her works and those of her disciples, the Lemurians were the third root race—gigantic ape-like men, hermaphroditic, and oviparous, with some uh, with something like forearms. And a third eye in the back of their heads. They interbred with animals, the offspring being the ancestors of the apes. Their discovery of sex, of which Madame Blavatsky took a poor view, caused their downfall. Whoa. Yeah, and they were succeeded by the Atlanteans, the fourth root race, and the ancestors of the modern Mongoloids, according to her. And both the third and fourth races were full of cosmic consciousness. Wow. I love that idea that even back in the day, this idea of cosmic consciousness is, is being explored.
1: That is phenomenal. I, I was not uh, up on this uh, particular uh, theory.
0: The, I, I'm being, being too kind. This. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when I read that the theory, I was like, yeah, it's not really a theory. This but I idea love the
1: idea of four-armed hermaphroditic apes with a third eye in the back of their head. It's wonderful.
0: Whose downfall was... Sex. sex. Yeah. Which is just such a scientific line of reasoning right Well, there.
1: yeah, I mean, well, maybe that's why they had the third eye, right? And why they were so into sex, because they could do it as much as they wanted, and they could always see behind them if someone else is walking into the room. Alright, so, um, moving on from Lemuria, uh, now that we've, again, f- fully, uh, filled up the bathtub with occultist uh, nonsense on that count, then, uh, let's look to, uh, the, the very real were a world of lost continents. Uh, and indeed, if you want to find a lost continent, you can't do any better than to look back in time to the lost supercontinent of Pangaea. I mean, in a sense, it's still with us, but it no longer exists in this form.
0: Now, it's generally forgotten that Pangaea is just the latest mm-hmm. in a long line of about, I don't know, something like a dozen supercontinents. And we're going to see a lot more in the next 250 million years and certainly in the whole five billion more years we have left before the sun explodes but Pangaea is the one that is most known to us because we can imma- we know what it looked like we are and we can imagine it we can imagine our current configuration fitting into it
1: yeah i mean it's uh i've seen the the analogy drawn i think there's a how stuff works article by molly edmonds that, go- that does a little bit of this but uh, imagine the continent of Pangaea. Supercontinent is formed, uh, much like a, a, a supergroup or any kind of a really influential rock band. Right, first one guy gets together with another guy or gal, uh, they start playing drums together or whatever. Then, sure. then somebody else joins the band. Finally, you have the full band going on. It's really great, and then they can't get along. They break up. Maybe first one one band member leaves and another leaves and suddenly everybody's doing side projects or their own mm-hmm. solo work. But then eventually they're gonna get back together. You know they're gonna get back together <laughs> if they're all still alive or even if they're not because the money's just too good.
0: Alright, so they're constantly drifting apart and yes. then drifting back together, albeit at the slowest rate. Like this rock band it's gotta be immortal, right? Because the rate at which this happens is um it's something like here it is. To get some idea of how slow it really is, let your hair and fingernails grow uncut for an entire year. Your fingernail growth represents the slower pace of plate movement while your hair growth is the same as the absolute greatest dins- distance any plate has traveled in the last year. That's very insignificant.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking the average rate of motion on the, on these uh, these plates uh, range from less than one to more than fifteen centimeters. Per year. Now, just to, to give a, a quick basic uh, run through on what's happening with plate tectonics, the Earth's uh, outermost layer is fragmented into a dozen or more large and small solid slabs called litho- lithospheric plates or mm-hmm. tectonic plates. Yeah. And they're moving relative to one another as they ride atop hotter, more mobile mantle material. And these uh, plate tectonic uh, processes have almost certainly been going on since the, the formation of the Earth 4.6 billion years ago.
0: Yeah, and nearly all the world's earthquake and volcanic activity will occur along or near boundaries between these plates. So not only are you getting the drifting, but you're also getting the collisions, these plates colliding into one another. And when they do that, they either create mountain ranges Mm -hmm. or one plate will slip under the other and just get uh, subsumed into the, uh, the molten lava. And... Most of these scenarios will cause volcanic activity. So, this is where you see, I wouldn't say you would see lost continents happening because it's happening at such a small or tiny rate. Right. But here's this idea again that emerges that, well, with all of these uh, dynamic changes happening to these continents, maybe there is something going on.
1: Now, to put this in sort of the timeline of, uh, of, of, the, of all the thinking that we've been discussing in, in this uh, pair of podcasts, it wasn't until 1912 that meteorologist Alfred Wegener uh, hypothesized that our seven continents had once been joined together as a supercontinent. And we've mm-hmm. all this is just a, a straight up, you know, elementary school uh, geography puzzle at this point. We've all seen what happens when you take the continents out of the puzzle board of the globe and place them next to each other. You can say, oh, well, this corner fits here, this corner fits there. And indeed, that's what uh, uh, Ve- uh, Wegener was uh, was noticing here, that the borders of the continents matched up, they fit together almost like a giant jigsaw uh, puzzle, and then when you threw in other clues, such as matching rocks and fossils that are found in countries separated by vast oceans, tropical plant fossils that were found in polar regions and vice mm-hmm. versa, it all it all indicates that, that that something's going on here, that these continents were, in fact, uh, once linked together.
0: But the idea of plate tectonics really didn't come to the forefront until the 1960s. Right. So it's a relatively new um, spin on what's happening with the continents, or better understanding, I should say.
1: So if you turn back the clock and you start looking for lost land masses or you know, land masses that, that either no longer exist or no longer exist anywhere near the forum. I mean, you can go back 4 billion years ago and you can find uh plate building blocks known as Cratons, which are essentially giant rock cores uh, starting to rise up out of the primordial ocean. Um, and according according to uh, a history of supercontinents on planet Earth by uh, Alastair Wilkins on Io9, uh, there's some evidence that uh, two cratons date back to as much as uh, 3.5 billion years ago, forming the tiny continent of Valbara. But this, there's a lot of speculation involved in this. So there's there's uh, the more certain candidate for the oldest supercontinent would be a place called Ur, which I like because Ur, Ur. sounds a lot like Moo. It's it's very it's
0: very primordial. It's very
1: primordial, and and and, and sounds like it would definitely pop up in uh, an early twentieth-century pulp novel.
0: But this craton, though, is behind an idea of Mauritia, if I remember correctly.
1: Yes, and for for this idea, we need to visit uh, Mauritius, which is a well-known tourist destination mm-hmm. uh, located about uh, uh, twelve hundred miles or two thousand kilometers off the coast of Africa, east of Madagascar, and in uh, in two thousand thirteen. Um, researchers found sand grains uh, on the on the Mauritius uh, beaches, mm-hmm. uh, and they they looked at these and they found that they contained fragments of the mineral the mineral zircon, and uh, these were between 660 and two billion years old, far older than the island itself. So, so from,
0: yeah, they were like, what? How is that working?
1: Yeah, so they they theorized. Well, okay, sand grains must be the remnants then of Mauritius. Uh, a lost microcontinent that once existed off the coast of Africa and uh, was eventually submerged when India broke apart from Madagascar about 85 million years ago.
0: So the thing is, is that they had discovered that this area, this crust, is much thicker than elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that instead of uh, Mauritia being... Uh, below in the ocean that is actually sort of been consumed in that landmass itself it, yeah. it is in the bottom reaches of, of of that area if that makes any sense yeah. and, and it is under the it is submerged under the Indian Ocean but it's not like floating there you know Three thousand miles below.
1: Right. Yeah. It's just kind of uh, crunched down, if you will. Uh, yeah. And, and in fact, analysis of Earth's gravitational fields has revealed uh, other areas in the world's ocean uh, where the rock does appear to be thicker than normal, and could, in theory, be a sign of uh, of other continental crusts. So,
0: just basically like the land eating itself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we just we we come back again and get into this idea that that. Uh, that the Earth is uh, and our shape of the Earth is, is just con- in continual change. It's just the a, a change that takes place in, in geologic time and in, and in deep time, uh, and not the kind of thing that we can really truly comprehend from our very limited human perspective.
0: Now, just to revisit Atlantis for a second, uh, in Josh Clark's article about Atlantis, he talks about a city called Haliki, which may have been the blueprint for Atlantis, or at least the allegory. And this is an area that um, would have existed for about 200 years by the time Plato wrote about Atlantis. And it had been submerged underwater. And it's a coastal city located on the Gulf of Corinth in Greece. It was once the seat of power there. It controlled shipping in the area. It was also a major site of worship of Poseidon whom Plato deemed the patron saint of Atlantis. And in 373 BCE, a major earthquake, followed by a tsunami, washed over the area and just completely wiped it out. So what's interesting about this is that archaeologists have gone back to this area and they've seen resettlement over and over again. And they've seen that this uh, Haliki Delta was a really popular area to be in because these three rivers formed a delta that brought in fresh water, irrigated crops, And you had the coastal area, which is always nice. It's always beautiful to be (laughs) residing in a coastal area. Um, And as soon as they started to figure this out, they began to do some really heavy-duty excavation. And in 1988, archaeologists found a buried ancient seawall, as well as 10 Spartan ships that uh, supposedly came to try to help out after the tsunami Uh, And then 12 feet beneath farmland, they found ruins of industrial buildings, kilns, looms, a bust of Poseidon, and some Bronze Age jugs. So looping this all back to this idea of lost continents and our desire to rediscover these areas of civilization, Haliki is a great example of that. And I think it's why it's so interesting to think that this other area, Mauritius, existed, and perhaps there was a civilization there. and this idea that all of this stuff is just getting recycled over and over again and is lost to us.
1: Yeah, and and, and certainly uh, I, I think there's a, a lot of uh, love of the apocalypse uh, bound up in all of this, too. I mean, yeah. who? it's great to hear about a wonderful civilization, but it's even better, in a way, if we hear about the civilization falling. You know, in the same way that we look to our celebrities, we want them to see them do well, but we also really want them to fall so we can read about that to because that's the the stuff of great of great fiction and so yeah yeah, i can well imagine that that plato might uh, would have known about uh, places that had been wiped out islands that had where the civilization had vanished or Mm -hmm. even the island itself had had been lost and say hey that's a great idea i'm going to use that in what i'm writing
0: you're right because he was probably like i'm going to talk about this terrible moment in which the city was seized by something and this and then there's this idea that this uh this might exist frozen in time somewhere.
1: And there are other examples we can look to elsewhere in the world where uh, where there's a, there, there's a land mass that was once above the waters, but now it's below. Uh, there's the uh, uh, Kerguelen Plateau, which is an underwater uh, volcanic uh, large uh, province, also a, a microcontinent uh Uh, and submerged continent in the southern Indian Ocean lies about 3,000 kilometers to the southwest of Australia and is nearly three times the size of Japan. But to return to Middle Earth, uh, one of my favorite examples here is Zealandia, Mm -hmm. which uh, Zealandia, if it sounds familiar... you're thinking of New Zealand, well then spot on, because uh, Zealandia is a nearly submerged continental fragment that sank after breaking away from Australia 60 to 85 million years ago, having separated from Antarctica between 85 and 130 uh, million years ago. And uh, it may have been completely submerged about 23 million years ago, and most of it, 93% of it, remains submerged beneath the Pacific Ocean today. Um, So, all in all, we're talking about you know, a landmass that's uh, 3,500,000 kilometers, square kilometers in size, larger than Greenland or India, uh, and almost half the size of Australia. But the only part of it that's really, the, the main part, really, that's above uh the ocean that's actually visible, that actually has people and plants and 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 is alive in that sense, is New Zealand. And New Zealand is only one hundred and three one hundred and three thousand four hundred eighty three square miles, or two hundred sixty eight thousand twenty one kilometers squared. I threw a lot of numbers and stuff out there, but basically, New Zealand is the the tip of this iceberg, and the rest is uh, is is lost beneath the ocean. Yeah, we mentioned earlier that uh, the, the band has to get back together again, right? The reunion show is inevitable, uh, even if all the remaining uh, members are no, are, you know, are no longer alive. And uh, in all likelihood, based on our current understanding of plate tectonics, uh, the theory is that the continents will merge again to form a new supercontinent within the next 250 million years, and this will complete the latest turn of, of the supercontinent cycle. And then they'll break up again yeah. and do their solo projects, but then they'll get back together again for an even greater reunion in some uh, incomprehensible distant future. Uh, and who knows what that'll look
0: like. And Robotic Share will be out there.
1: Robotic Share will be there. Um, the Great Old Ones will have come back. Uh, there'll be an alien colony. And uh, and also the, those four-armed apes with the eye in the back of their head, the Lemurians, well, will be the dominant race on Earth.
0: Yeah, there's also the astral projections.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I some, some of them probably escaped into the astral plane and will come back because who doesn't want to be around for the supercontinent coming back together?
0: They're just waiting it out on the solar winds, my yeah. friend.
1: Uh, so there you have it. Supercontinents, uh, Lost Continents, Lost Worlds, Atlantis, uh, all of the above wrapped up into two episodes. We would love to hear what all of you have to say about this.
0: Yes. Yeah, so let us know. Um, you can always visit us at stufftoblevmind
1: Yes, as uh, well as our various social media accounts. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. We're on Google Plus. Our YouTube account is Mind Stuff Show. Be sure to follow us there, uh, so you can stay on top of all the cool video projects that we're putting out now and in the future.
0: Oh, and that reminds me. Hey guys, did you know that July twenty fifth is National Talk in an Elevator Day?
1: Whoa! Have yeah. to talk in one of these now
0: may choose to just listen, but I thought I would bring that up because we have a handy dandy playlist of the information elevator in which all these little awkward um, collisions between humans happens and information is dispersed. So if you want to check that out, make sure you go to Mind Stuff Show on YouTube so you can check out the information elevator series. In the meantime, please send us an email and you can do that at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com.